why don't we become a 10 commandment church? Why don't we take the 10 commandments, put them on the rooftop and declare to the world the values that we stand upon? We'll just put it. We love the Lord with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. You know, we do not have false idols. We don't, we believe that adultery is wrong. Um, Let's declare them all. And let's make a, a big stand. We'll get posters everywhere. We'll have conferences. How to adhere to the Ten Commandments. And we'll quote Jesus talking about the Ten Commandments. Because he talks about them. And let's assume that the Ten Commandments were the message of God to bring life to the world. That's the message. Let's forget the cross. Let's forget that Christ came and the reason that he came. And let's just focus on the Ten Commandments. And then we'll add some additional laws as we go forward. And that's a message that I've heard. (laughs) How many have heard that message? The Ten Commandments, I'm telling you. And we can have them up here in big writing and dark brown stone granite. So they look like they're engraved. By the way, if you look at Exodus 20, they're not really written out like the Ten Commandments. It's not like God goes, hey, and guess what? Here are the Ten Commandments. No, he's giving the commandments to Israel through Moses. And there's a long list of things that are listed out. And people have summarized them to 10 in a bunch of different ways. And then, of course, after they break and and replenish, he's condensed them down to uh, uh, 10 commandments. And if you go to any online uh, Safari or um, whatever you use for your web browser, your Google search, and you type in 10 commandments, you're going to get a few different variations. It's not because they're different in God's word, but they're different in the way that people have summarized them. And it does sound noble, doesn't it? Love the Lord your God, right? Or I am the Lord your God, and then do not have any false gods. And how many believe we shouldn't have any false gods? Okay? And we could advertise that. We could just make it our message. In fact, I'll be talking to someone in the coffee shop, and I'll just lean to them and I say, you shouldn't covet. Okay. Okay. That's the answer. And then, and then I can look at them and, I, and then I can come across to the people, you know, like the, the woman who had the seven husbands and I can go, hey, what? You've had seven husbands. Yeah. Do not commit adultery. And that would be the message. And then people would come in here and we could have our base camp and then we can list the Ten Commandments and then I can instruct you on how to live them. Just do more. Just try harder. Just put them on your refrigerator and memorize them. How many have tried to live the commandments and the laws of God and fell short? See, see, the thing is, is this is how you're going to see Paul and you're going to see Jesus talk about these Ten Commandments. First of all, they're going to talk about the commands and what they are. And then Paul in the book of Romans is going to make a case that the Ten Commandments were put into place for our best interest, not because of just that they were going to produce the righteousness that we wanted. Otherwise, Christ would have been a waste of time, but that he put them there for a reason to let us see what sin was. That means the commandments actually reveal the sin that's in our hearts. And how many can say amen to that? Okay, so I would be in great error 
and I could easily do it. I could make the Ten Commandments really appealing to you, and I will because they're amazing, and that's why they're the tender commandments. But then I can try to get you to try to do them, and you will fall into the trap that Paul says is the trap, and you will not be able to ever follow them. But if I turn you to Christ instead, then I will have followed the biblical mandate and I will turn you to Christ. Let me read them first. I am the Lord, your God. You shall have no other gods before me, no idols. By the way, if God wrote all the things that you were supposed to do, which he also does in Deuteronomy, you should do this, you should do that. He names a bunch of things. You would have more than 10, you'd have a thousand things. I think it's much easier for God to just to nail the things that you shouldn't do. How many think no false gods is probably a good thing if you know God? Okay. The, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. God wants you to rest. He wants you to know the value of his name. The value of his name is incredible. He wants you to honor your parents. He wants you not to murder anyone. Can you guys try that? Have you, how many have felt the rage of murder before? Come on. And the Bible says, even if you feel in your heart, Raka, you fool, you have the spirit of murder there. You shall not commit adultery. In other words, God thinks faithfulness to him. He compares it to him. He's like a bride is the same way that we would commit it this way. The same feeling, the same disingenuousness that, that commits adultery this way is the same disingenuous it is when we have false gods. Don't do it with each other. And you'll see Jesus, by the way, summing these up, that these commandments, these laws are summarized between loving God and loving people. They all care about people. All these. Thou shalt not steal. Don't take something from someone else that's not yours. You shall not give false testimony. And some say do not lie. But it's really don't give false testimony to your neighbor. About your neighbor. Don't say something that gets them in trouble. Because you're covering your own behind. How many think this is a very good commandment? And then you shall not covet You shall not covet the defense of the Seahawks and wish they were on your team. Amen. You shall not walk by and see your neighbor's wife and go, I wish I had her as my wife. Right? You shall not covet thy neighbor's pocketbook and their stock portfolio. In other words, God saying, these things don't help you. They bring death. Amen there's a contentment with God that he wants to give us. Jesus says, you know, you search after these things, you know, but seek first the kingdom and God will add all these things unto you. Amen. Amen. So God is good. These tender commandments. So does God want or intend us to be a 10 commandment church? And I have flipped on Christian TV. I don't, I probably watch it once a year, but, but you put, you put something on and all of a sudden, you know, just the 10 commandments and these are it. And then the mandate is God wants us to live these things. And I want you to see the subtlety of the gospel so that you can see the guts of the commandments in a new light. That yes, you are to embody them, but not in the spirit of the law, but in the spirit of life, in the spirit of Christ. Do I hear an amen? Amen. So these are subtle differences. So 
I ask you, can the Ten Commandments save you? <sighs> Remember the rich young ruler? I've done all the Ten Commandments. I've done the commandments. I've done it. And Jesus basically gets at him because he, he asks him, then sell everything you have. In other words, then there won't be any of the coveting. You won't be all that stuff. Now it's going to get an opportunity to covet. You're going to, I'm going to make that opportunity if you just do this. And he couldn't do it because he couldn't follow the heart of the commandments. And it says that he went away sad. And did Jesus go after him and going, oh, I want you to be saved. Do the commandments. No, he said, then the son of man must be lifted up so that you may live. This is why Christ came, because we cannot do the commandments. We have not done the commandments. Galatians, in another spot, they, they asked the question, why, then why were the commandments there? Because they're asking about the freedom. If we're not supposed to follow, if we're not under the supervision of the commandments, under the law, why are they there? And he says, to protect the seed. He says, the people would have gone crazy. So I put the commandments there so that the seed of Abraham, which eventually became Christ, would come to fruition. How many are glad that Jesus Christ made it all the way? The 2,000 years. Okay, this is a great promise. In other words, one of the reasons the commandments came is to spare the seed and make it happen. This is good news, but complicated. By the way, are you getting anything out of what I've said so far? Okay, good. This is Jesus. You study the scriptures diligently. And how, how many went to the Dead Sea Scrolls yesterday with us? Several, several. How many thought it was pretty cool? You know, it, it's nice to see one, it's one train of evidence um, of the scriptures, the validity of the scriptures, mostly the Old Testament. Um, but you see the rawness of them. And I asked the people before we went to go on our tour through the Dead Sea Scrolls, I said, how many of you got saved because of the Dead Sea Scrolls? And nobody answered yes. <laughs> how many got saved because Christ found you? We're, we're not saved because we, we stumbled upon the Dead Sea Scrolls. We go, the Dead Sea Scrolls, oh my gosh, kaboom! I read the commandments and the, and the commandments were there. They were awesome. Right there in that last, that one of the last booth, you saw the, the commandments, that whole section of Exodus 20. And, and, and there it is. But you know what? When I came to Christ, I came because the power of Jesus. And look at Jesus. He says, you study the scriptures. He's talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, studying their word, doing the right thing. You know, lift up the word. But that word is the logos, the Christ. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Listen, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Jesus saying, you're searching in them because you think that the right reading of these things are going to tweak you somehow to eternal life. And you go, man, I got it. I found the right denomination. You know, it's the right twist. It's the right system of theology. And now I understand it. It's a Sadducee. No, it's Pharisee. No, it's something else. No. They point these scriptures, the laws, the prophets. They're not going to be abolished. They're going to be fulfilled in me. Are you following me? And this is Jesus pointing to this life that Jesus is the life. And, and then he says, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. They were turning to everything else, their tradition, everything else. And he says, 
But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Listen to what he says. And say it with me. Your accuser. One more time. Your accuser is Moses. Now Moses is the one who brings the law. Right? The law accuses us. Does it not? How many can see a part of the law, any kind of righteousness where we fall short? Raise your hand. Come on. Hatred, bitterness, anger, vengeance, anything that you have in the heart, envy, jealousy. That's not a a jealousy for God is what we have. He says, Moses, the law, the commandments, that is your accuser. That's what brings the conviction. And then in Galatians, he's going to bring a picture of that the law is like a legal binding in marriage. But that the minute one dies, you are no longer bound to that law. And he's saying you're no longer bound to the law. It's been killed. It's been put in Christ. The written code and its regulations were in Christ, nailed to the tree. Do I hear an amen? This does not mean we don't have any rules or anything that says what is right. It says what is right and how we get there is driven by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the source. He is the one. I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. Anyone who doesn't believe stands condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of God's only son. Why? Because your accuser is Moses. It's the commandments. So I can't start this series with the commandments and go, here they are. They're awesome. Love the Lord. Now go do it. Because you'll fail. And what will happen is you'll just get frustrated, but you'll feel good immediately because your flesh will be supercharged and you'll be more confident in your flesh. But I have to stand before God in what I teach and I can't do it. So if it takes me a little longer, I just have to take longer. I am sorry, but I have my own butt to think about. <laughs> and that is a fact. You know, you can, you can like or dislike anything but of, that I say or, or do or whatever, but I'm accountable before God of what I say and do. Listen, Paul writes this, and then I'm going to explain without his writing a bunch of scripture from Paul so I can get to the meat of my text here. Romans 7, 9. This is Paul's perspective. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. If you have an NIV or an ESV, it will say, at one time I lived apart from the law. I didn't know what the law was. Paul said, I didn't know really what it was. But when I learned the commandment, do not covet. Can you say it with me? Do not covet. Now just say it to someone. Say, do not covet. Listen what he said. When I learned the commandment, do not covet, the power of sin sprang to life. What? Sin. Saw, heard the commandment, instead of obeying it, sin seized the opportunity afforded by the commandment, it says in the NIV version. It sprang to life and it killed me. How many don't want to just do the commandments? (laughs) How many want to do the commandments with the power of God's power? How many want to live on the law of the spirit of life rather than the law of the commandments and the legalism? Amen. 
Okay, so let me, let me expand this a little bit, and I'm sorry if I'm a little um, um, detailed with some scripture, and you are going to have to pay attention. Sometimes people will think, oh, I just can't follow, it's too much, it's too detailed. Do the best you can. It won't be too long. So, Paul makes an interesting observation in Romans 7. In chapters 1 and 2, he declares that everybody's a sinner. In Romans 3, he says, because all have sinned, there is no one righteous, no one seeks after God. Yes, they had the commandments, but they weren't doing them. Nobody. So God had to establish his own righteousness. And so the Son sent the Son of God, the Father sent the Son, who became from transcendent to natural, came into our existence. And he died on the cross in our place. Do I hear an amen? amen? And then Paul says, why am I still struggling? I have Christ in me, but I still have this nature within me that seems like it's the old man. How many have dealt with your old person still? And he asks himself, why do I keep sinning and struggling with sin? And he makes this statement, every time I want to do good, I turn around and I do the evil instead. I remember the first time I read this and I go, that makes sense. Because <laughs> I feel like everything I'm trying to do, I always go the opposite way. And, and it's almost like God leads me to Christ. And, he said, and listen to what he says. Actually, I never would have known what coveting was, that it was wrong, if the law had not said, do not covet. I wouldn't have known. But sin deceived me using this command to arouse all kind of covetous desire within me. So he's saying the law, he's not saying the law is bad. He's saying that sin in me took this law and this commandment and tricked me and instead aroused everything opposite of what that is. I started becoming covetous like crazy. Don't, by the way, I don't want you guys to look at that guitar, this particular one. Okay? You, you will die if you look at that one. If it's in your peripheral vision, you will die. Just to make sure, it's that one right there. All right? How many want to look at that thing? Come on, how many want to look? Yeah, me too. There it is. I'm about to turn to salt. He said, I never would have known coveting was wrong if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin deceived me using this command to arouse all kind of covetous desires within me. So it was the law that revealed to me my sin. Those commandments, which are good and right, which were supposed to bring life or intended to bring life, actually brought spiritual death instead. It's not like God didn't brought the commandments and said, Oh, you know, I thought they were going to work. No, the commandments, the command to all men to repent is a great command, is it not? But it is not a substitute for the gospel, the command to repent. It is the command to repent that sin uses because of our sin nature to arouse the sinfulness. And even though the intention and the cause of all commands to do right is good, because of our dilemma, it caused death. Do you understand? And so this is not God being confused. This is God understanding his own gospel. So it was the law, Paul says, that revealed to me my sin. Those commandments which are good, intended to bring life, actually brought spiritual 
death instead. I just want to regress one time. In the Acts, in the book of Acts, they're trying to get the Gentiles to follow some of the more um, tedious laws, circumcisions and you know, different dietary laws. And they were trying to get them, since they came to Christ, the Jews said, well, should, are we supposed to keep doing the laws? Are we still supposed to keep doing everything? And then the Gent, they go, should we get the Gentiles to do it? So they had a meeting uh, uh, where all the different churches got together to discuss it. And led by James, uh, from uh, one of the scholars from Asia Minor. And they, as they were talking about it, Peter walks up and he says, why are we trying to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a a yoke, the law, that we nor our ancestors have ever been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we're saved just as that they were. Because they were saying, man, yes, you're saved through Christ if you believe in Christ and you get circumcised and you eat popcorn and... And you just start adding stuff. It's like local faith people that I've met who said, yes, I believe in Christ alone. He's my redeemer. What else? And my covenants that I have to make and keep. And the other stuff that I got to do. And the way that I get married. And the way that I go to Mecca. Every religion has theirs. We have it in Christianity too. Yes, and if you tithe regularly. And yes, if you do your Bible study. We have our rules. Let me just declare to you in truth. We are saved by Christ alone, through faith alone, through the glory of God alone. Amen? Amen. Listen, I'm almost done with his saying. Paul observes, if there was no law, this he continues in Romans 7, sin would, have, would not have any power. Listen, if there wasn't any law, then sin wouldn't have the power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the commandment, do not covet, the power of sin sprang to life and I died. He said, sin took advantage of these commandments and deceived me. It used the laws to kill me. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. Sin uses God's good commands for its own um, evil purposes. How many say amen to that? How many have experienced that in your own heart? Now look what he says. The law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. This is Paul. 15 years into his walk. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. If I know what I'm doing is not good, then I agree that the law is right. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, who's on first? It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that is doing its work. So I find this principle at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. 
Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, here's the conclusion. I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But in the sinful nature within me, I'm a slave to the law of sin. Paul says, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. And that's why God sent his son. Amen. And Galatians says it this way. Now that Jesus, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. I'm going to say amen. This is good news. This is not a reason to take the Ten Commandments off the front of our church. The reason we take them off of the church front is so that we can put the name of Christ there instead. So that our message is the gospel of Jesus. And then as Jesus redeems us, he then puts the commandments of life in us and we begin to live He is the Lord, our God. I don't need false gods. I don't need to steal because I'm content with the power and the provision of his salvation. I don't need unholiness because his holiness is within me. I don't need to murder. I don't need to commit adultery. I don't need to steal. And I don't need to covet for he will provide all things eternity for me. How many like the Ten Commandments now? The Ten Commandments are awesome. They're tender commandments. They're from a father's heart. They didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it wasn't as if God was angry. Uh, This is kind of the slide I thought would just be awesome. The Ten Commandments. Doesn't it look like God's just ticked off about something, right? The Ten Commandments. You know, and those who went to the... uh, you know, sometimes you see that brown wooden stuff. You notice in like in our houses, we have like red paint and, and we, you know, we go to the mountains, see all this beauty and stuff like that. Well, in those days, you see a lot of things are pottery. They're brown, they're clay. That's the color of everything in those days, but they still had nature. We just don't see it this way. You know, th- th- this color and these things, and I'm going to show you the heart of these commandments and why God does them. And what he says about them is so profound that you're going to understand that these commandments are all for your benefit. They're not for God because he's going, these are my strict rules that you can't cross. No, these, he's saying, these are the things that you should do and not do so that you have life. There is nothing but destruction when you go down any of those paths. You start coveting and living a life of coveting and you, it'll just kill you. This is the heartbeat, and it's in the text. It's not just my speaking here. This color scheme is really more intended for the 10 plagues. You know, yeah, there's a good one. The 10 plagues. That's for my end time series. <laughs> I added a few things in there. This is for the determined, unrelenting, unwavering enemies of God. That fits. But I want you to see that the first thing he's going to promise in the very first commandment, he's going to say that I'm the one who delivered you and brought you out 
of Egypt and brought you out of slavery. I am the Lord your God. That's his very first commandment. What that says is that God is giving these commandments to the people he's brought deliverance to. They're his people. Do I hear an amen? Amen. This is very significant. Here's a cave in Israel. This is how I like it to look. The tender commandments. How many say amen? Amen. This is the love of God in Christ. This is a different viewpoint from just seeing him on a tablet from the stone. We have a God who's amazing. This is the God of creation. Amen? This is not the boring God who's just trying to deliver the Israelites to the desert. He's the one who made us there. He made us. Do I hear an amen? Uh, He's the one. He's the God of colors. Okay? He's the God of colors. Right? He's the God who made the northern lights. And he put things, he gave us depth perception. He's the God of nature, color, atmosphere, environment. He's the God of oceans. You know, he's the God. How many say amen? amen? This is the God who made the beauty, who declares himself in Job. I made these things. I declared these things. He's the God of rainbows. Amen. He, he's the God who made this beautiful color. I mean, everybody owns the rainbow now. But can I tell you, God made the rainbow. Why? It's just a coincidence. It's just kind of round. It kind of looks like a sign from somewhere. No, it's just this random, you know, frequency within the hydrogen, within the atmosphere that sort of, shut up, it's a rainbow. (laughs) Seriously, just shut up. It's a rainbow for crying out loud. It feels like there's a pot pot of gold at the end, according to Lucky Charms. (laughs) Just follow the rainbow. No, it's not. (laughs) Sorry, Lucky Charms. I know you're magically delicious. (laughs) Listen, it's the rainbow that's the sign that is given to who? Us, right? It's getting the sign. It's God saying, and there won't be destruction. There's going to be life. And it's there. How many many love when you see a rainbow just show up? It's just boom, there it is. It's just, and it always seems to come after rain, doesn't it? It's like it just rained. And it's like we want rain, but not too much rain. Amen? Listen, he's the God of purpose, okay? He's a God of logic and order. You think Einstein's smart? He, you know, figuring out relativity or general relativity, that is a great thing for a human. But God's got a million equations all around you. You have no idea. Millions and millions and billions of equations. There's stuff in the quantum world that you have no idea that exists. I can explain to you stuff that you don't even know is existing. And I'm just reading about it. Imagine what God knows. He's the God of logic and order. We have law and specificity and design within our universe that all coexist Just the expansion rate of the universe, if it changes from one thousandth of one thousandth of one thousandth of one thousand percent, life is no longer possible. Everything is designed. He's the God of patience. I I love this because this is man's version of art. (laughs) It's got their little order to it. It's got the little albums that they made, their little t-shirts and their little frisbees and their little stuff. 
And God's like, oh yeah, we'll check my universe out. <laughs> Ask nothing. But we make, have you seen that movie? Yeah, it's all an illusion. In the film business, we call it smoke and mirrors. It looks like it's real, but it's not. Listen, he's the God of space, time. The God of space, time. There's a vast universe out there. He's the God of sand, you know? He numbers them, the sand like of the seashore. He, that's how he talks to him. How many think our God is pretty cool? This is the God of the commandments. I, I want you to see a bigger picture of this God that didn't just climb up the mountain and said, let's make the people have a restric- restricted prude life. You know, as if God doesn't like sex, as if God doesn't like all this other stuff. God likes sex. He made sex. The very first invention is be fruitful and multiply for crying out loud. <laughs> Go have sex and make more and then do it again. Amen, Lord, we're on our way. Right? Amen? Amen. Come on, you guys. I'm here. Shout out. (laughs) Listen, he's the God of power. He's the God of power. Check that out. And if you think the creation looks cool now, you should have seen it when he first made it. Before it was destroyed. Before the whole biosphere was turned upside down by water. I know the world thinks it was just a little bit of water for billions of years. But it was a lot of water in a short amount of time. He's the God of beauty, vastness, the sky. God paints the sky. I could give you all kinds of scriptures. He's the God of music, the God of music, isn't he? He's the God who sings. He's the God who shouts. He's the God who dances. He's the God who makes armies. He's the God that makes Elijah wait, and he shows him all kinds of stuff that comes at him with calmness. He's the God of chordal structure, harmony, all the things. The God of secrets, isn't he? You know, we had this one place in Northern California. It was an ocean. You had to climb underneath the cave, get on your belly, and go about 15 feet in a small little ravine, and boom, you'd be out in something just like this. And we loved it because none of the tourists liked, saw it and knew it. And only the locals would get there. And there was nothing more awesome than to just jump in there and climb out. And as soon as you get out there, you go, we got the whole day just hanging out here. Right? How many say amen to that? This is the God of colors. Look at the blue and the green and the color. This is the God who paints with his own canvas. You know, he uses that word, the master, the poema. He makes lyrics. He prepares us in advance like an artist and prepares amazing things for us. He's the God of animals. God made the animals. They're all devouring each other. Don't you love that lion right there? You know, he could just rip your head off just like that. Eat your guts out and not even be full. You know, you know God makes the behemoth, you know? He makes that big, large creature that says his iron back all the way through with, the tr- with his tail as tall as a cedar tree. That's a dinosaur. Okay, we don't have the word dinosaur in the scriptures because dinosaur didn't come, the word didn't come out until the 1830s. But there are terrible lizards in there and it says no one can approach this dinosaur except for its maker. And it says, and even he has a sword. Isn't that trippy? 
Do you want to look at the commandments with the whole picture of God? With the whole life of God and who he is? He's the God of paradise. You know? And more so, he's the God who loves us. It's the cross. It's the way. He's the God who sent his son. He's the God who redeems your past and restores what the locusts have eaten. He's the God who comes in your presence and brings this embracing faith and love and says, love one another. All the commandments here. The way. He is Jesus Christ. The way. The tender commandments. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love. Can you say the word love? Love. Love. One day, you will know in full glory the love of God that he has for you. And it will blow your mind so much so that you will so impact you, the love. When you realize how much God loves you, it will literally bring you to your knees where all you'll have left to say is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If you could only understand it now, if we could only embrace it now, but his love is there already. God doesn't need to command himself. Love the people. He already does. So the commandment comes to you. Find God. Seek me and you'll find me. Draw near and I'll be right there. Love me. You'll experience me. Go closer, I'll come closer. It'll be closer. You'll see it. What's the command? What's the greatest one of these commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Do I hear an amen? Amen. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many think these are awesome commandments? These are the precursor to what these commandments, the details in the Ten Commandments, reflect these things. The commandments, you shall not, Romans 13, 9, here's Paul summarizing it. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery. Remember, he's the one who said just a moment ago when I was reading him, every time you hear do not covet, my sinfulness sprang up. Because I did it, it was without Christ. I I tried to do it. It aroused in me every kind of sin instead. The commandment didn't, that was intended to bring life, was supposed to bring life, actually brought spiritual death instead. Now he's saying, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be, can everyone say whatever? whatever? Whatever other command there may be. They are summed up in this one command. You want to be commanded? I'll command you like a general. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many say amen? Amen. Hear the first command. It's just an intro and I'm stopping with this I am the Lord, your God. Don't have any gods, other gods. Don't build for yourself any other idols. Don't waste your time. Don't take stuff 
Don't desire things that are outside of my provision. I, God spoke these words. I am the Lord, you God. Listen to this first sentence. This is the commandment. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God cared for it. Exodus says, this is how he precurses it. Close your eyes and you can just hear the command in its fullness. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying out because of their Egyptian slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the evil one and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of promise, a land of blessing. How many say amen to that? How many want to live the commands now by the promise of God? Four of you, awesome. That's okay. God will convince you, the rest of you. Amen? I don't need to do it. I can only do what I can do. I gave you my best shot up here. I really did. This was it. You got the best of Eric on this day. (laughs) I'm serious. Father God, just close your eyes if you would. I thank you for your commandments. Lord, we want to have the power of Christ in us to not only see the kingdom of God in its commands, but Lord, we want to be empowered by the spirit to live out the goodness that you intended to bring, that these were meant to bring blessing, to bring us into a spacious land, a le- of land flowing with milk and honey in our own lives. Lord, let no one try to deceive and take away our freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, that we are free in Jesus. And can you just declare that to the Lord? Remember the cross right now. Think of every communion you've ever taken where you ate the bread and drank the blood as you drank communion to say, the Lord brought me salvation. It is him. He will also transpose me. Paul said, when I started out, when you first got the spirit, did you receive the spirit by what you did or by what you believed? It's by what you believed. How many want God to make that transposition in your own heart to say, Lord, fill me with your commands. Fill me with the power of Jesus's life to become more like him. If that's you, would you just raise both hands to God? Just say, because it's, you got to stand out for yourself. Just raise both hands, look up to God and say, me, me, Lord, you rescue me from this body of death. You bring life to me through the gospel, through your power through Jesus' name. Bring your redemption. Bring your goodness in Jesus' name. Do I hear an amen? Amen. You guys, I'm going to just tell you this in advance. Next week, I'm going to talk about one of the most amazing things. I feel like, I just want to encourage you. I know some people come every other week sometimes. If If that's you, come next week. Because I promise you, your life will be changed next week. There are some amazing things in this scripture that in, in the second commandment specifically, that'll blow your mind. I'm telling you, it will blow your mind. They tell you don't overpromise, but I'm not overpromising. God is good. Amen? We'll see you next week.